Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, I'm a little nervous, so please be, uh, be kind, but I'm sure you will. Uh, but I was given a really good one. Today I've got Love Your Neighbour, so I feel like it'd be very generous with a, an easy topic. There's, there's so much content in the Bible that talks about loving your neighbour and love in general. So this commandment to love our neighbour is at the front and centre of our Christian journey. It shapes our relationships, our attitudes um, and our actions. We should do. Today I pray that you will begin to chip away at the, the multifaceted nature of loving our neighbour and discover practical ways to, to embrace this commandment with our whole hearts in 30 minutes or less. Um, so there are two really big questions with this um, and that is what is love and who is your neighbor and there's other questions that support that but the two big questions really to understand it are what is love and who is your neighbor so we're gonna dive in against the bottom of them so the first one is is the foundation of love and so I'm just gonna read 1 John 4 7 to 21 it's quite long so bear with me uh, beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to, to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is, sometimes this is substitute, but it's not really... It's not accurate because substitute is like for like and propitiation means that it's when somebody satisfies specifically a deity in full and it's got nothing to do with a, a switch with anything else. It's just they've settled the debt and it's, it's finished. Um, so beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have to come to know and to believe that love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. There's a lot of abides in this. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not love his brother, whom he, he, who he's seen cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we must have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So the origin of God here, or even... If we go simpler, before we can even begin to grasp the depth and meaning of loving our neighbor, we've got to first understand the unconditional love that God has lavished upon us, because that's what we're sharing. And love finds its origin in the very nature of God. It's not an attribute of God, it's his essence. His love is boundless, unconditional, and eternal. His love does not depend on our worthiness or actions, but flows from his gracious and compassionate nature. Love pursues us, even in our brokenness, and offers us the opportunity for redemption and restoration. 
God's love is the source from where real love flows. It's like a powerful router, and that's coming up next. So as you can see, some, some places have great connection. You know, maybe that's you with your family, sharing them, bringing them to Christ, um, as we've heard today. Maybe it's you in school, um, that people notice something different about you. You know, you're, it's soft gospel. But maybe in your workplace, nobody, nobody knows. Maybe, you know, in work, it's not comfortable to talk about Jesus or, or you know, you don't want people to know because they might think you're a bit weird or whatever. So maybe then that connection is not as strong as it could be. And God, God relies on us to, to be that router that pushes out, not because he has to, because he could just will everyone, but because that's his design. He wants us to go out there and spread love. And, and, and really, this is the whole cause of this, this commandment is to make that happen in effect. Um, so yeah, when you're close to it, it's really powerful, but the further away you are, the weaker your connection is. And then, like a phone, if you're not connected, you, you're quite limited to what you can do. And I think it's the same for us. You know, it's, we can do so much more when we're, when we're really connected to God. And he'll empower us in the hardest times. But without him, you crumble at the smallest obstacle. And, and you, uh, you then have to climb back. The further away you are, the weaker your connection will be. As Christians, we act as repeaters. We're things like our grocery store, the pantry, TLG. So, and as repeaters, we're, we're imitating that love. You know, and we're directing love that we have outward. Um, but the goal is for people to have their own connection because the, to be connected directly is much, much stronger than anything that we can give. So what we're trying to do is just be... Um, we're just pointing to God and um, ultimately want people to have their own connection. And his love is more powerful and it can uh, heal addiction, it can restore families, it can, it can change lives um, miraculously. So moving on to the second one, which is, what is love? Uh, I apologize, some of these do have titles that are songs. And as I went through, there was quite a lot more than I thought there was. There's maybe three or four songs in this, but, but uh, persevere. So dictionary.com defines love in this way. So a strong feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection, such as for a parent, child, friend, or pet. Deep affection for a child and for a pet. Um, or the second is a profoundly tender, passionate affection often mingled with sexual desire for another person. Um, I think we generally call that lust. So to me, these definitions describe what love can look like. They're, they're expressions of love, um, but they're not love. Um, and I think the Bible offers a far more direct and thorough definition. And so I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. You already know what's coming, I think. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And these are all things that we hold in high regard and with great respect. So love should be even higher. Um, so I'm going to go through them all kind of one by one in a bit more detail. So look, so there's no short definition for love. It's so, it, it, it's so complex and important that it deserves to have more than three sentences on a line. So love is patient and kind. 
The foundation of love, according to Paul, is patience and kindness. Love doesn't rush or demand its own way. Instead, it's marked by a gentle and tender demeanor. Love bears with the faults and shortcomings of others, and there may be many, extending grace and understanding. Love is the manifestation of Christ's patience and kindness towards us. Love does not envy or boast. Love is the antithesis of envy and boasting. It's content with what it has. It doesn't resent the blessings of others. Love doesn't seek attention or recognition, but finds joy in celebrating the accomplishments of others. It is secure in its own identity in Christ and seeks the good of others above its own. Love is humble and respectful. True love is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't exalt itself above others or seek to belittle them. Instead, love embraces humility and shows respect to all people. Love recognizes every individual's inherent worth as an image bearer of God and value, treating them with dignity and honor. Love seeks the good of others. Love is not self-seeking, but selfless. It doesn't insist on its own way, but considers the needs and desires of others. Love is not easily provoked or resentful when things don't go as planned. It's quick to forgive and extend grace, reflecting the forgiveness and grace we have received through Christ. Love rejoices in truth and rejects wrongdoing. Love is deeply rooted in truth. It rejoices when truth prevails and righteousness is upheld. Love stands against injustice and wrongdoing, seeking to bring light into darkness. It does not derive pleasure from the misfortune of others, but it's motivated by the pursuit of justice and righteousness. Love bears, believes, hopes, and endures. Love bears all things, carrying the burdens of others. It, it believes in people's potential for growth and transformation, no matter how they look now, and refuses to give up on them, even if they don't engage. Love is filled with hope, even during challenging circumstances, and it endures all things, persevering through trials and hardships, guided by an unwavering commitment to love. So, you know, it's a tall order. You know, it's not an easy thing. And that got me thinking, well, does God expect us to do this from the day we believe? You know, you say, you know, you say a little prayer of, you know, Jesus come into my heart, and then suddenly you're transformed. And the answer is no, definitely not. But I was reminded of Galatians 5, 22, 23. And for everything that he expected, I found something where he gave us with his Holy Spirit power and, you know, something to meet all of those things. So he gives us a really high bar, but he also gives us support and holds our hands the entire way as well, if you ask for it. So, you know, the Holy Spirit's there to equip us with, with, with living this Christ-like life. And, you know, God, the more we rely on God... And the more we surrender to the Holy Spirit, the easier all of this becomes. And, you know, eventually, it may even become like your nature. Um, yeah, I'm, I think we all pray for that to be something that comes easier. And there's some things we'll find easier than others. Um, but I think sometimes recognizing where your weaknesses are enables you to, to lean more onto the Holy Spirit on those things that you know are not good for you. You know, if, you're not, if you don't have the most patience in the world, then you pray for that patience. Um, but you may have a you know the great ability to be joyous and spread joy, and that's 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 a gift that you have and, and that, that pours out of you. So the third uh, one we're going to go through is the power of love. So this really is also quite important to know what love is. And incredible transformations occur when we wholeheartedly embrace the commandment to love our neighbour. Love has the power to heal wounds, bridge divides, and bring hope to the broken. Through our acts of love, we become agents of change, impacting lives and communities with the redemptive love of Christ. I'm just going to read here. These, th these are things I've added in. 
so you'll have to bear with me. These only got added today. Um, so this is Galatians 5.13, which is, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Um, and we've, I think we've all seen it happen. It doesn't take much for you to take your eyes away from, from the prize and you get caught up in you know, the petty things that, that, as people, we often get drawn into, you know, gossiping and debating and uh, things that just divert your attention. And um, you know, as we love our neighbors, we've got to be willing to forgive each other and seek reconciliation, even if it's not accepted on both sides. And extending grace and forgiveness, we mirror the love and forgiveness we've received from God. And that's something that's going to be repeated because it, it is the core of this commandment. Is it's Because we've been given it, we must also give it. Uh, not that someone's earned it or that we're, we're special and, and, and we're going to be so gracious. It, it's because really we've been given it and we've just got to spread it. Uh, so there's another one I've added in here. So I'm sorry, I'm already short of time and I decided to make it even longer because I kept thinking of these really good things, and I was like, I can't not put it in now. Um, so put on then, as God's chosen ones, sorry, this is Col um, Colossians 3.13. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which blinds everything, uh, sorry, binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Um, so that it's a message that's repeated over and over and over and over. So you can take for granted that, it, that it's important. Um, and again, we could say a lot about the power of love. And I did, my, the first draft that I wrote, I wrote something very academic and I went into the Greek and the Latin and, and everything, and it was, it was really, uh, it was too much. So I've replaced it with a video. And uh, I think this, this articulates better the power of love, much, much more powerful than, than I can say with a, a definition of a word. Um, it isn't Celine Dion, so don't get too excited. It's just a couple of minutes long. So while you're watching, I want you to think of yourself in his shoes. It's about a guy called Ike Brown. What would you do, or could you imagine yourself doing what he did if you were in, in his shoes? So, You know, I always said that if you hurt one of my children, that I wanted to get you. I wanted, I wanted you to hurt like I was hurting. I wanted you to die. I convinced myself that's what God wanted. He wanted me to be, he made me. You know, he gave me these feelings and emotions. And I meant that. And all of a sudden, you know, my son is gone. And I walk in that courtroom and I see Takoya, the young man who, who killed my son and his best friend. And I'm telling you, for the moment I laid eyes on him, I loved him. I couldn't and I can't explain it. Uh, never hated him. Never had those feelings I thought I was gonna have. It never transpired. You know, when I looked at him, he he looked like my boy, you know, just bigger. I I questioned God, but I questioned him about me. 
I asked God what was wrong with me. You know, why didn't why didn't I hate him? Why didn't I why didn't I have all these feelings? You know, I'm a father, this is my son. I'm supposed to be angry at 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 this boy for for what has happened, you know. And and I wanted to hug him. Forgiveness wasn't even an issue. Channel 4 cameras are rolling when emotions from inside the courtroom spill out into the hallway after a jury finds Takoya Kreiner guilty of first-degree murder. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty of first-degree murder as charged in the indictment. Kreiner's family so stricken with emotion, they can hardly stand. Brown's father, who is a Jacksonville Sheriff's officer, was in the courtroom every day. I'm just glad the week is over, glad it's over, and I can find some peace. I realized that that something was happening in, inside of me that I wasn't even aware of, you know. I know without a doubt it was God. Could you imagine it? You know, it's... I think our human reaction is, is that we want justice. And I think what he says as well about why isn't he angry and, and, and that it felt wrong, I think it's a very human reaction. Um, I'd like to say that if I was in that situation, I would be the same. I think the answer is I don't think I would. So um, it, it would need something supernatural to, to behave and react in that way. But you can see the grace. And when he talks about having peace, I think he has it. The, the amount of peace that comes from him is is unbelievable, um, but and to recognise it was it was God, you know you really have to be in a great have a great connection with God to even be there in the first place. So at the right time, God God has helped him. Um, and isn't that amazing? But we're going to watch another video, which is a subsequent action here because for God this wasn't enough. So this was really just the beginning. Of, of what he was going to do with Ike Brown and with the tragedy of, of Ike Brown Jr.'s murder. So, we'll play that one. I wrote him a letter and I always let him know I was praying for him. Uh, always started off with, I hope things are as well as they can be. You know, I knew it was tough enough, you know, just being in there. And so at the end of the letter, I said, uh, I need a favor from you. I said, I, I miss my son, Ike Jr. You know, and I said, I'd like you to fill in for him till we all get to heaven. And I said, if, if not, you know, I understand. And so I, I hurry up and I mail the letter, you know, before I, before I take it out again, and, you know, and not knowing what to expect. And it probably took about three weeks to a month. I get a letter back and I'm actually riding the beat. And I got the letter and it's sitting on the, the seat of the police car and I'm scared to open it because <laughs> I don't know what it's going to say, you know. You know, I don't want to hear from you. Leave me alone. You know, curse me out. I don't know what to think. And I I pulled over on the corner of Kings Road and Myrtle Avenue, and I opened that letter. And that letter said, Dear Mr. Brown, I now know that God is real. It said, I told God that if you meant what you said, if you forgave me, if you really loved me. I told God that I wanted to hear from you. 
And I told God that if I heard from you, I would give my life to him. <laughs> Boy, I started crying. But they were tears of joy, you know. And he wrote the most beautiful letter, you know. And at the end of the letter, he said, uh, Mr. Brown, you asked me for a favor. You asked me would I fill in for, for Ike Jr. And he said, nowhere am I qualified. But if you have me, from this point on, you're my dad and I'm your son. <laughs> Better than anything I could have written. Yeah, it's it's something you can you can barely describe. Um, but that is the power of love. It's the power of God's love. That isn't deep affection. That is something else. And so we're going to abruptly move on to who is our neighbor. So when Jesus taught us to love our neighbor, he shattered the barriers of prejudice, bias, and exclusivity. Our neighbor is not limited to those who live near us or share our beliefs and backgrounds or even you know, people who are not criminals and people who are criminals. Rather, our neighbor includes every person we encounter, irrespective of their race, nationality, social status, or faith. It's a call to embrace the universal family of humanity, united by the love of Christ. To us, our neighbors are number 26 and number 30. To Cheshire, its neighbors are Lancashire and Derbyshire. The UK is neighbor to Ireland and France. Europe is neighbor to Asia and Africa, but God, who is omnipresent, omniscient, how can you limit it to anything? You know, he, he has no boundaries, so the command is clear. When he talks about neighbor, it includes everyone and everything at, ev at all times. Yeah. All people are his people, and thus our neighbors. We often put people into two categories, just generally. Friends and enemies, those we like and those we don't, people who are with us and people who are against us. Um, that isn't what Jesus told us to do. He called us to, you know, called his people to love the everyday enemies. By that I mean the annoying people who cut you up on the motorway, the self-centered teenager, absent-minded children, or disrespectful manager, even the annoying person who talks to you all the time and doesn't miss the cues that you've finished listening. We have to take time to identify these people in our lives or when we're just really challenged to love and ask for the grace to love them. We have to be really intentional and say, okay, this is tough, but I, you know, I'm going to do it because you know, we're, we're image bearers of, of God. Um, and when we love sacrificially, and that is sacrificially, where it costs you something huge. You know, his son was murdered, and he still chose love to the person who stole something so precious from him. And um, at the end of that, so that there's a longer video for that. You also hear um, the the guy who killed him his testimony, which is very good. At the end of it, he says something really. I wasn't even going to say it, but but I think it does fit. Um, he says kind of an amplification of, of in the Bible when it talks about you know if they knew what they were doing with Christ, that they would never have crucified him. And he says you know if the devil knew what was going to happen with this tragedy. He never would have allowed it to happen. He'd have kept it well away from him because this testimony is powerful. 
and um, when we love sacrificially we're displaying a reflection of our relationship with God you know loving our neighbor is intricately intricately connected to our love for God you know we demonstrate our obedience and devotion to God by extending love to others it's through our actions that our faith becomes tangible and transformative people can see the you know you 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 act as you talk and there's no you know easy things don't have to be commanded so there's no commandment to breathe you know our sinful nature is why the holy spirit is needed for for us to live this truly to really to love one another um at all times so we're going to move on to ways to love our neighbor so there's loads of ways that we can love our neighbor and you know some are easy some are difficult some are collective some are personal some are big and some are small but all are powerful holy spirit fueled and important and you know some of them we do collectively here in church so things like serving on a sunday you know people doing audio worship tea and coffee kids youth there's, there's so many things that happen here on a sunday that only happen because people make a decision to serve and you know we've got hope into action that will bring shelter to those without any uh, the grocery which feed people struggling right here in our town maybe even right here on the street um you know, and you can get involved in these ministries by sacrificing your time or your finances that, you know, if you don't have the money to give, you can give your time, you know, and the other way around, if you don't have any time, give your money. Um, but these only happen because people sacrificially give and they give in, in, in Jesus' name to, to bless the community, you know, who, who, who don't know God. <laughs> they may know God, but this is not, you know, something that's just for our members. It's not a members-only club. This is something we offer to anyone who needs it. And collectively, as a church, we, we can pour out our love to our community. And I think we do. We do so much here. You know, as a small church, we, we're offering so much to our community. You know, we really put a flag post here for Jesus you know, with the grocery that's open. And we've got cafes that, that people could just walk into. You know, this is not a church that's open two hours a, a week, and that's it. And, you know, we've got personal things that we do, you know, such as praying for people and, and praying for them by name. Not hashtag praying, actually praying. Because we know that God hears our prayers, has a heart for healing, miracles, and nothing is impossible for our God. The New Living Translation, Matthew 19.26 says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Do you believe that? Sarah spoke directly with God, yet she still laughed at his promise of a son because it seemed impossible to her. If you believe that God is real and God is who he said he is, then you must pour everything that you have into loving your neighbor, precisely as Jesus commanded, warts and all. God restored Sarah's faith with his faithfulness, and he is the same God. He'll do the same for us. He will walk with us and equip us with the Holy Spirit to change our hearts and minds. Amen. In Galatians 2.20, Paul declares, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live is in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This must also be our declaration. We're not alone in this. What we do, we do with the Holy Spirit, with God in us. And the last thing we're going to look at now is um, the greatest commandment. So um, these are the three occurrences of the same commandment being said. It's quite important because if, when you look at usually the three um, what you'll find is that they offer a different viewpoint of, of the same situation. You get you get some detailed changes, but in this, it's it's pretty clear. So they all agree, and you can have a read and see which one is your 
which one resonates with you most, but they're all pretty much the same thing, that, that the most important things are to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's really, really simple. And um, even if you don't remember verses, but you just remember those two things, then you've got what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Um, it's not the only ones, but, but it, is, it is the one that matters. It's going gonna, it's gonna to change your life. It'll change the lives of others. So let us leave church today empowered by his love and be ambassadors of love in the world, ambassadors of God's love, not, not you know, my love or, you know, or any other variation of, of what love can mean, what, what the Bible tell, told us love is, you know, patience and kindness and, and um, being, being forgiving, all the tough things that are not easy. And when the Holy Spirit guides us to love with action, let us be agents for God. And there are answers to God's call and his greatest commandments be, as Lisa said a few weeks ago, here I am. For the last few weeks, I've read many of C.S. Lewis's works and I read something interesting that seemed to fit perfectly with the sermon. It is, it's a bit prickly, so um, hold on to your seats. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and permutations of love is hell, because it doesn't reside there. So, thank you very much. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.